Welcome back. You're listening to another episode of The Todd Donald Show, a weekly podcast where artists and performers go to chat about nothing. Hosted by Canadian singer-songwriter Todd Donald. This week's guest uh, I chatted with on Todd's Cafe back in the summertime. She was here with director and playwright Erica Reeser, and they were promoting a play that was being presented in Outfest 2018. Uh, how whom uh, Isaac Mueller was nice enough to set me up with the series of interviews for. We stayed in contact. If you consider making pun comments on joke Facebook posts, staying in contact. And when I asked if she would come back to chat more about her many facets of creativity, uh, she said yes. And here is Toronto-based actor, director, writer, and more, Emily Schooley. Give me two seconds of just hashtagging this. <laughs> How dare you? I know, right? How dare I promote your show that I'm on? You think I want people listening? <laughs> There's a lot to say on this episode of the Coffeehouse Crowd because it is uh, the first record of 2019. And I've, I've done some shifting around with online stuff. And I'm very excited to, to introduce... A returning guest. A returning guest to this kitchen slash studio. Emily Schooley, who was on before with Erica Reeser. It's, I feel weird talking about you when you're right here. I'll, ta- I'll take a guess. You were on before to promote uh, a multi-length uh, production that was a part of Outfest, and I was doing interviews to promote Outfest 2018. Uh, of course, Isaac Millet from Page One Entertainment was, was a returning guest as well there. And it was, it was this great group of interviews and a great production that my girlfriend and I got to see. So you were on promoting The Frog King, you're also a multi-hyphenate in, in media and entertainment. You're, you're, an, you're an actor as well as a director. There, there's more that you do. You have a, a production company called Laughing Cat Creative. Yeah, so uh, my production company is actually Laughing Cat Productions. I'm, I'm, I'm very much a multi-hyphenate. My main business is called Laughing Cat Creative. Okay. Hence your confusion. There is two. I'm trying to misdirect people so that they, they can't find what you're doing. Is that not my job? Correct. Do not look <laughs> at my Patreon. Do not come to my Twitter. <laughs> I'm sorry. Yeah, keep That's, going. I just made a lot of mystical hand gestures. It was great. <laughs> so I am primarily an actor and filmmaker. But alongside of that, as I said, Laughing Cat Creative is my video production company. Mm-hmm. So I do a bunch of corporate videos. I do things for businesses. I do live events. And then I also I do voice acting. Uh, I actually wrote a Patreon post about this back in December where I was like, I have eight different jobs. What <laughs> is this shit? No wonder I'm tired. <laughs> would you count it as eight different passions that equal an overwhelming amount of work? Or would you... Do you feel like these eight things are nagging you when you want to do just one thing? Not necessarily. I feel like it kind of more feeds into itself. Mm. So I sort of, I have, I'd say what I'd call like three or four different careers. Right. And then from that sort of stem the jobs. So there's myself as an actor. There's myself as a filmmaker. There's the business side of things where I am, you know, bringing in those video skills. But I'm also, you know, I'm marketing, I'm finding new clients. Yeah. And then sort of alongside that ties in I like I said I also I shoot live events so that's a little bit more in the AV world the audiovisual world you know as the quote-unquote stereotypical millennial you almost have to have those different streams of income to survive yeah when, when I was in school for broadcasting they called it like um like being versatile yeah versatile yeah and tired all the damn time <laughs> right <laughs> you have to distract yourself you have to 
you have to take these photos of yourself drinking coffee to, so that people know that you're not just a, a head attached to a computer screen or a phone screen. <laughs> Uh, no, that's that, that's amazing. I, how do you feel about where you've been able to get yourself? Are they sustaining, you know, you being alive and living in a domicile? Like they they are at this point, but yeah. it's taken me a long time to get to this point. Right. So I actually used to live here in Waterloo. Right. And at that time, um, once I graduated school, like right when I got out of school, I was working sixty eighty hours a week. I was office admin at a lawn care business, at a dance studio. I did kind of other odd jobs here and there. And then um, it got to a point where I was just at the dance studio. Then I moved to Toronto. Then I was office admin slash office manager for a couple of years while auditioning, while taking on acting stuff on the sides. And then things sort of came to a head in early 2013, which is the last place I worked officially, right. where my boss more or less joined a cult. Uh-oh. And I quit slash got fired. Yeah, it like was it was combination quit firing. I, I'm I'm not gonna name it because I don't want either of us to get sued. But it is a personal development course she took, right? Where they use a lot of like there are some good things, but it's also a lot of psychological trickery, right? And she started kind of really using their jargon, really using their ways of doing things, right? And because I recognize this trickery, I no longer fit into that environment. Yeah, yeah. I, mm. And it, it was it was honestly it was both a blessing and a curse. Yeah. Because at the time I was also doing working through this book called The Artist's Way. But and I was just I was realizing how much I was neglecting what I wanted to be doing. Right. Which was building towards a full-time career in the arts. And yeah. you know, eventually working towards the goal of say like having my own film studio or doing more acting, doing more live shows versus being 40 hours a week at an office then going home and being tired. Right. I stalked your name on Google, but I found out as a result of that that you and I were born 10 days apart. So I, I just feel like we've witnessed a lot of the same movements and developments and shipments and the upgrades and technology and pop culture and all this stuff, and maybe watch some of the same shows. Um, some, some that might freak me out and trends and these Stepford robots taking over the web. Does it freak you out sometimes too? Like when they're all posting the same quotes of wisdom? Oh, absolutely. And you know they're bullshit. Yeah. Like, I, again, I'm not going to name names, but I have a right. few people I know in my life where they post these super positive, inspirational, yay. And I'm like, no, you're a little bitch. That, <laughs> like, just yesterday you were telling me about how so and so is such a terrible person and you hate everything and why doesn't yeah. this guy like you? But then you put on this public face. Mm. And like I, I think it's absolutely garbage. No, positivity is good. Don't get me wrong. Uh, but but fake positivity is not. Like in, and same thing with fake wisdom. Integrity yeah. is a very unvalued, unmisunderstood thing. Talking in your business about, hey, I have bad days too. But <laughs> integrity is being the same person everywhere. Yeah, and it's walking the walk, not just talking the talk. Exactly. Like, yeah. Like how did you feel the first time you saw people posting positive stuff? For me, seeing it on my screen means nothing to me. Any, anything that I've learned, I, I, I just live it. There is something refreshing to that where so many people are trying to be a certain way or be perceived a certain way, right. you know, posting things for the Instagram likes. Right. Or, it's, you, you know, yeah, curate, to... curating what you put online. Right. Whereas for me, I've always been, I guess for lack of a better term, a very blunt person. Right. I will tell you exactly how it is. People know where they stand with me. 
And though it has taken me some years to get here, I'm also finally at a point where I have good boundaries in my life. Right. So if something is unacceptable, it will not continue. Mm -hmm. Whatever that may be, personal, professional. I like that because reality is is a mix of good and unsightly. Yeah. And and then if, if we just pretend everything is good all the time... That is so false, and that's doing everyone a disservice. Yeah. If you and I aren't nothing but positive all the time, then we're going to get shunned by people who are hashtag good vibes only is stitched into their barcode on the Ugh. side of their neck. Yeah. And I mean, I have had that experience, too, where people have told me, you know, oh, maybe you shouldn't post that online, to which I go, F you. I also just had these three people message me privately saying, thank you for being brave enough to post that. Right. Yeah. yeah. Or like, or calling people out on stuff. Yeah. You know, where it's it's now kind of become popular sort of as a I, I want to say the term is like landslide phenomenon. I could I could be making right. that up. But like, you know, the first person to say accuse someone of sexual assault. Yeah. They're not believed. How they, how dare they make it up? But when you get 568, yeah. Then finally people start believing and start listening. It's like, why didn't we listen to that one person? Right. But it, it and it's also that whole, you know, squeaky wheel gets the grease. <laughs> I don't know if you've heard that term, but it's no, like I never have. But it's like if you stand out, if you make noise, yeah, 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 something will be done to assuage it or make it go away. And for yeah. from our, I don't know, somewhere in between Generation X and Z, what was my point? Shit. <laughs> no, it's like, like the way we think is not the way people ten years younger think. Do you feel yeah, like that? Or, I, I yeah. don't want to be a curmudgeon and say that like there there's amazing things that they're doing. I don't even understand it all. Like that's that's when I'm that's when I'm starting to realize that like, oh, my obsolescence is coming. Here we go. <laughs> but there's this thing that, that I feel it goes along with people in our age range is that being, being creative because we're naturally creative and not because LinkedIn is putting these articles out about how you can teach yourself to be creative. Or nowadays it's this thing you want to be different to compete and become rich fast. Uh, in an age where be- people who are creative are the ones that are better than you. So it's like, I, I find this thing where they're, they're all being trained to copy. Uh, yeah. Oh, so-and-so takes a photo this way or so-and-so, you know, yeah. does steps A through C to achieve this result. I guess I should do that too. Ex- yeah. The image that comes to my mind is, do you remember Toy Story? Remember yeah. when he's the green-faced, blue-suited... The little alien dudes? Yeah. yeah. You know how they all look up and they go, whoa, at the same the time. Claw. Yeah. That, that's yeah. what I see. Is, is it fear, something you experience when you see you put out something out there that you were naturally inclined to be creative with? The best aspects of that are going to be, whoa, and <laughs> imitated almost immediately? I wouldn't say I'm worried so much about imitation because I know a lot of what I create is weird and out there. Right. And it's not to everyone's taste. Right. So I've actually had kind of the opposite where a lot of what I've created doesn't find a home in the bigger audience. But again, I'll have those individuals going, oh, hey, this really resonated with me. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, I I was going to say, I feel a little bit, you know, that Simpsons meme old manuals at cloud. Yeah. I, I definitely feel that way sometimes, but Get off my lawn. I remember, you know, having a rotary phone, having a black and white television. Like there are times I'm like, I feel like an old mm-hmm. or I hear things like yeet. And I'm like, what does that mean? <laughs> or like, or you like you would sit and like, there'd be those long silences, but you're just kind of with that other person, even though you weren't physically yeah. with them. 
Yeah. yeah. Oh, yeah. Ho- hormones are great. Oh. <laughs> I would never want to be a teenager again. I mean, skin-wise, looks-wise, yes, maybe, but mentally, emotionally, no. I wouldn't go back in time. No, no. no. <laughs> that said, I will take all of the 90s fashions. Give them to me. <laughs> Is that where you feel like we peaked, fashion-wise? No, I just, I noticed they're coming back and have come back. And like, I do really love that aesthetic. Yeah. Like some part of my soul is always kind of more towards the punk, the grunge, the goth, like, you know, even today with my stripy black and white shirt. Yeah. Yeah. That's interesting to think about. Like if, if you could, if you can pick and choose eras for, for different things, because it would be a mix for me. Oh, same. Yeah. I would want sixties furniture with modern day uh, equality as much as we have it. Not in, in terms of ideals. Yeah, sixties yeah. equality yeah. didn't. That wasn't a thing. Uh, but yeah. they they had bitchin' cars and really cool uh, aesthetic designs on the inside. Yeah. Oh, I love when you see those time capsule houses on the internet that come up for sale. Yeah, design and art don't really play by those rules. I guess they don't play mm-hmm. by associations. Well, I mean, I think like we do draw on things from past time periods as influences. Right. For like, for example, I have some friends that. You know, they are really into that like 60s, 70s aesthetic when it comes to film or like yeah. art deco, you know, and you, you, you can kind of see what influences different people. Yeah. yeah. The archaeologist standpoint. Some guests just come on and, and I know for a fact that they, they wouldn't get along with me in the premise of not being on to do a podcast. Like, or like a day to day interaction. Like, yeah. yeah. So do, do, do you think that if we lived in the same city, would we hang out? Do you think? I think probably at least occasionally. Uh, oh, yeah. I'm I'm someone who I'm I tend to work very intuitively, and like like I don't see auras or anything crazy like that. But like I am usually pretty good at reading people's energy. Right. And like unless someone is an absolute dick, I'm generally willing to give most people at least a chance. Right. Well, I mean, I'm we don't even get out much, Katie and I, because like we're so busy with work and school and stuff like that. That like yeah, social interactions are are limited to like a couple times a month. Which is fine because, like, we're doing what we need to do for bills to get paid. If we were in the same city, I'd invite you guys over for, like, board game night or something. Like, Yeah, that's all I yeah. want. Jesus. <laughs> well, my husband really wants someone to come play Star Trek with him. I, well, he has a tack wing. He's like... <laughs> well, is it, like, role RPG Star Trek? No, it's, it's like this board game where, like, you have little ships and you move them around. Okay. I am also a huge nerd. Right. I spend about a week over Christmas playing through Dragon Age Inquisition. Okay. Considering that game came out like five years ago, that should tell you how behind I am on like nerdy things. Because you started it five years ago? No, I started it like literally Christmas 2018. Right. But, but just having the time to sit and invest in that. Right. But like I am super nerdy uh, in high school. I'm a little ashamed to say this, but I was a giant weeaboo. Like I loved Sailor Moon. I loved everything about Japan. Right. My friends and I would like talk in broken Japanese. <laughs> Super obnoxious looking back. Yeah, yeah. But like also a lot of those friends were still really close now. Yeah. And these are women that like now that we're in our 30s, you know, I can still text them about stuff. Right. And like we've grown as people, but we've, we've still maintained that friendship, which is really right. sweet. That's cool. Yeah. In a, the small way that I do now, I felt a ginormous amount of I'm this, the weird person out. Oh, I, I'm, I'm still the weird person out a lot of times in real life. I have come to embrace it, like, just because I have had so much kind of weird and different life experience. Like, I feel like it brings a lot to me personally. But it, yeah. it, it, it has to feed going back into you being a creative. Or going back to what we're saying about people on Instagram. 
I recognize yeah. I have a different way of seeing the worlds. Yeah. Then, you know, say the Kardashian cutouts, whatever you want to call them. Like, <laughs> yeah. Well, yeah. So, so like you can see humanity from both the insider and outsider point of view. Like, oh, isn't like I, I'm a human being. I am. Believe Believe me. I like <laughs> beep boop. I mean, uh, I'm still not sure that I'm not an alien sometimes, but <laughs> I am a human being. Meet more. <laughs> I, I promise. Oops. Sometimes I, I feel like I can observe our species as an outsider and go like, isn't it interesting what we do? Different shades of human being are oh, yeah. so and like mad. It, and if you just think like how you would explain that to an alien race. Yeah. Like, I don't know which is more terrifying. The idea that we are the smartest in the galaxy <laughs> or that we're the only in the galaxy or that there is other intelligent life out there, and they're like, screw those guys on Earth. <laughs> they are the stupid children of the galaxy. Like, <laughs> yeah, we're, we're the smartest of this planet, sir. I, I haven't identified how to identify your species. Do you have two different... No, listen, our dynamic is like, we have like man and women. Go into an accent now. Yeah. I, a, a little southern. Our, our, our representative is going to be from the south for sure. Which in, is even more terrifying. And all of my nightmares, yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so, like, the thing is, uh, if you have a penis, you're usually smarter. And uh, I'm trying to create a bit out of nothingness. Yeah. And I'm. Oh, I'm, I, I get where you're going. The, wor- the worst of us is still a representative of our race, is what I'm saying. And mm-hmm. it's, it's kind of weird what we do. Everything about humanity is weird. Like, yeah. you know, think about how we try to date now. Like, we don't talk about our feelings. We pretend we're not interested in the people we're interested in. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Or then, you know, if someone is too interested, then we back off. Like, that's really weird. Yeah. yeah. Or, you know, just the idea about being upset about what other people are doing when those people are not hurting anyone else. Yeah. We make breathing and eating and dying the most complicated thing it could be. Oh, yeah. Not to mention we are killing our planet. Yeah. That's great. There's just a bunch of other yous out there just breathing and, and eating and shitting and sleeping and dying. Why the beef? <laughs> I, I think everyone, you know, as the individual wants to feel special and wants to feel like they are this magical creature thing. Yeah. And I, I feel like that's a lot of where that descent comes from. Right. Where it's, you know, I'm right, I'm special. Yeah. This is this is the way to do things. Everyone else is wrong. Yeah. And I feel like those of us who are maybe a little more enlightened see a little bit past that. Mm-hmm. But making a very worried face right now. Hashtag yeah. word face. Yeah. Hashtag Sunday vibes, yeah. I guess. Okay, our rest period is was uh, successful. We're back. We've both peed. Yeah. <laughs> Most important lesson I learned as a kid. You know, when you have that rest stop, you always take it. And or naps. I love naps. <laughs> <laughs> Instead of leaving the listener going, are we there yet? Yeah. So I, I have to ask you, as a woman, um, it's, a, it's a weird way to preface stuff. Uh-oh. But no, we were talking about this. Last time you were over, um, and through a series of other interviews... I was trying to be a, a signal boost instead of 
part of the problem. I, I wanted to feel better about having all the privilege that I do. Or like using it to amplify other voices. Other voices. Yeah. And especially post-Trump. But Ugh. in spite of it, I, I want to ask you how you feel all the good things that and, and social shifts and even if just I, solidarity. I think, I think we are continuing to evolve for the better, even though there is so much of that pull back to the negative. Right. Like, so for example, we now have AOC, Alexander Cortez, who is that youngest, uh, um, see now I'm blanking. I want to say not Senator New York state, right? but she's someone in a place of political power. Right. And, you know, there was a lot of Republicans making fun of a video she posted. She didn't even post. They found of her dancing as a teenager. Right. And she leaned into it. She celebrated it. Like she is ruining these guys on Twitter and it is beautiful. Yeah. That's good. So, you know, we are finding a space for those voices. We are, you know, the internet is giving us that chance to be heard. Right. I guess you could say, quote unquote, as women. Back to me, I mean. Uh, <laughs> Back to you. Oh, that's not. <laughs> is it like, well. Yeah. I'm just calling in your shit. It's fine. <laughs> no, please. I, 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 I want to get better. Yeah. As a man, it's easy to recognize that men aren't being attacked, whether it's by a, a shaving razor ad or by feminist posts on the internet. Men aren't being attacked. It's toxic masculinity that's, that's we're trying to encourage to leave or not yeah, to, be to become of, better than, to learn new ways of doing and being. Yeah, we're, we're not trying yeah. to change a gender. We're trying to create a better world is the point, right? So, And I, I think it's great that you do recognize that, and that is the first step. But that whole Gillette ad, seeing all yeah. that backlash over it. Did uh, you like it? I do have complicated feelings on it. Right. Because, well, I think the messaging is good. Right. I think they are targeting sort of this post-Me Too society right. as an opportunity to increase sales. Where And I'm like, I'm, I don't fully agree with that aspect of it. Like, right. I think they are trying to cash in on this, you know, quote-unquote wokeness. Right. But whereas, you know, they do kind of on the shadier side of things, like, they do also still use some slave labor in making the products, for example. Right. So something like that, we have to be aware of and think critically about what we are seeing. True. So like, I do think the messaging is good, but I think they also still have a lot of work to do. Yeah. And I think that could be said of us all. Right. Yeah. And isn't it interesting that someone posted, this might not even be true, but like that, that like Gillette products are still more expensive for women. Oh, the pink tax is very much a thing. And right? they, they are part of it, but they're not the only business that does it. Okay. So yeah, things like, you know, women's beauty products, for example, right. or, you know, say like a lot of sexual health clinics will give out free condoms, but not free tampons. <laughs> and why? Like, I wish I had a say in what the men on top are doing. Um, and I feel like there are, there are small ways to affect that change. Yeah. So to say, you know, I'm going to support this business that does this more ethically. Right. Kind of on a more broad strokes note, if you look at people who are doing the work of making change, yeah. it's often women of color. Right. So, you know, say if you have 20 bucks to give to a black activist woman, that's a way you can sort of support that change as well. Right. And, you know, for example, if you want to talk about another timely thing, looking that whole surviving R. Kelly. So like what things as we as save and just white people can do as we can amplify those voices of people of color. Right. And, you know, physically, mentally, financially support their work. Right. And in terms of if we want to be better allies, I feel like it's also 
we have to do the work to self-educate. You can't always just say, what can I do to be better? Yeah, it's easy behind a podcast microphone yeah. to just say <laughs> to say that yeah. to you right yeah. now. And I'm like, I'm, I'm not calling you out on that. I'm saying that's true. That's true of us all. Yeah. Or you have to go, you know, how can I contribute resources? Right. You know, say, for example, can I offer childcare while you go to this protest? You know, can I do some emotional labor of organizing a guest list or taking coats in an event? Right. Not that. Yeah. I like getting new information about the occasional tweet. That's been my research. Yeah. And, that, that, and that's a good first step. Yeah. I feel like we as a society are being faced with a choice now of, you know, evolve or die. Yeah. It's, it's nice to talk to you about this. I mean, I still have, I will freely admit, I still have a lot to learn too. But for example, we yeah. just had, you know, the most recent Women's March this past weekend. That was yesterday. Yeah, I, I, saw yeah. For, I didn't even know that that was happening. It was interesting to, to have it show up on my feed. I'm like, I was just there. And shit, didn't they have horrible weather? Partly that, but also uh, anytime there is a movement, you know, tying this to Women's March, tying this to Gillette ad, whatever you want to look at, right. you always have to look at who benefits, how, and why. Yeah. And as I was saying earlier, you know, whose labor is it built on, but who is getting the recognition? Right. So, you know, again, for example, like us as white people, yeah. there's a lot we can do to amplify people that have less privilege. Absolutely. So whether, you know, people of color, people who are differently mentally abled, et cetera, et cetera, the list goes on and on. Yeah. So, you know, it's not just white dudes are the devil. There's a lot that we can do as society as a whole to be better. Yeah. yeah. No, absolutely. Do you channel your thoughts and feelings about being you and the world as it is right now into the work that you do? Uh, Creatively? Definitely to a certain extent. Mm -hmm. Like I don't create things that are overly, overtly politically driven. For me as an artist, what has become important to me is embracing diversity in my work. Right. So, for example, 10 years ago, all we saw on television were white girls that were thin as a rail and, you know, beefcake guys that were handsome and blah, blah, blah. Like, look at Friends, for example. Yeah. You know, whereas we are starting to grow beyond that media, but we still have a long way to go. Right. So a lot of what I create, um, for example, is women-driven work and embraces diversity. So whether that's fat bodies, queer bodies, disabled bodies, people of color, whatever, that is the priority I've made to have in my work. Yeah. Uh, I will give you a little sneak peek. I did write a new short film over the winter holidays. Nice. So the film is about a cop and a nurse who have to work together to expose police corruption after the cop finds the nurse. Um, or sorry, after the nurse finds the cop. Right. And now hearing that, like, who would you picture playing, say, a cop and a nurse? And Paul Rudd as the cop, or he's like, a, I don't know, is it, is it a comedy? It's a drama. Okay, well, definitely um, Michael Fassbender. As the cop. As the cop. Someone, someone Fassbender-y. Okay, or, so you're picturing a handsome dude. Yeah. And then for the nurse, who would you picture? This might date me, but Renee Zellweger? No, like today. You're okay. Oh, God, I'm so old. Um, oh, you're, you're fine, and I see where you're going. Yeah. But here's the fun twist. What? I'm going to be playing the cop. And a buddy of mine who is this large, muscled, tattooed, mixed race dude right. is playing the nurse. So that's cool. So I'm, I'm flipping sort of what we would expect. Yeah. 
And then, well, I don't want to give too much away about the project. Uh, its working title is Ricochet. And it also involves something very timely, which is racial issues. Right. So the way that police often unfairly target people of color. Right. Yeah. I mean, when the short film comes out, you'll see more about it. Right. <laughs> which we're a long way. We're still in very early pre-production. Right. But to tie that into your question, you know, I do sort of tie those bigger bigger questions, bigger issues into the work I make. Right. Whereas like I see this in society and I say, hey, this is wrong. Yeah. I think I was asking a small question poorly and I made it seem bigger and you did the work for me. So thank you. Because <laughs> I'm a great guest. <laughs> you are. But like genetically, all human beings are pretty much the same. Yeah. Um, Close to styrofoam too. I think. <laughs> exactly. Uh, like Genetics I, is terrifying. Yeah. yeah. Well, this is the kind of host the coffeehouse crowd has. Uh, yeah. A guy who is willing to to say genetics, even though he knows nothing about genetics. You know, I'm I'm basically trying to to be like that left leaning hero, I guess. But I'm not. I'm just a shitty podcast host. But here we go. Let's take the last ten minutes or so and talk about you just as a person, as an as an artist. Did Did you do well in school? I, I did. I was a little gifted kid. So I actually, right. I skipped grade two. Or no, sorry, grade three. Right. So uh, not to brag, but this is going to sound like it. I do actually rank where I could become a member of Mensa if I so chose. Okay. But on the flip side of that, I've come to realize that gifted kid burnout is also a thing. Right. So whereas I learned to perform very well in an academic setting... You know, I, I right. could regurgitate the answers I needed for tests. I could memorize facts. I wrote papers the way I know teachers wanted them. Yeah, yeah. Like, I feel like that stunted me in the real world in some ways, where you sort of, you lose that framework of knowing exactly what is expected of you and how to get that success. Yeah. So it's taken me some time to sort of refine that or learn what success means to me versus what I'm told it should mean. Yeah. I'm still working on that one. Things that I've kept from my childhood is that you know, I've always loved animals. That's a big one. Right. And from a very young age, I was a creative sort of out there person. Yeah. The first script I ever wrote was maybe grade one or two. It was a little two-page thing where I wrote it for my cat to perform. <laughs> and it was about like my cat being a superhero and like saving other cats. Yeah, yeah you're, you're, you're a cat that turned into a human being. Like really, in, I, this, in this day, I'm getting that very much. It's funny you say that because I do make that joke. Yeah. Where I'm like, I'm really just a cat in a human body. <laughs> or like the the Cronenberg, like, I'm a cat that dreamed they were a human. <laughs> oh, it's a nightmare. I want to wake up. Yeah. <laughs> I've said that like in my dating life too, where I'm like, you know, dating me is like having a cat. Right. Because like I'll show up for food when I'm hungry. I'll show up when I want attention. Otherwise, like let me nap or at my belly. <laughs> <laughs> well, super embarrassing, but I will tell you this. So I often sleep in the nude. And my boy cat has learned that if he licks my nipple, I will wake up very suddenly because he is a little shit. This like, is going to go at the front of the episode. Okay. okay. <laughs> we are, we're always looking for a hook. One thing I do remember too from childhood was seeing Batman Returns. That's my favorite. And just like that iconic of her falling out the window. Yeah. Like, yeah, yeah. I'm just, I'm, sometimes like I feel like I'm waiting for my window moment. I still like, dream of the, uh, this is podcast dynamite, but like I still have dreams of the, the the Gotham that was envisioned for Batman Returns. That Burton-esque, like, yeah, oh, yeah. It was more Burton than it was Batman. It Like, I, Batman was good, but Michelle Pfeiffer, Danny DeVito, 
the architecture, that weird sort of mixed modern and depression era Batman. It's very clearly his aesthetic and his stamp on it. Yeah. yeah. And it's so cool. That was the best one, I think. Yeah, but then again, I'm Generation yeah. Y. What does it matter? I mean, that said, I'm also really into the new Gotham series. Yeah. Like, God, Batman's just like a folk song with everyone covering it. Oh, yeah. Yeah. That's pretty much what Batman is yeah. now. Because, like, how many different people? But it's good. See, I, giant nerd. <laughs> yeah. So, when it came to acting, which I, which I would assume more, maybe more than directing is the bigger of the two passions or the. You are absolutely correct. Okay. Acting is and always will be my first love. Mm-hmm. So as I was saying, like, even as a kid, you know, I did make my family sit in the backyard and watch me put on plays with like my, my little ponies and stuffed animals. Right. And who that did you see doing that that made you go? That's me that you identified with. That's a really good question. Like, I think even just as a young kid, like pre, even like preschool age, I just like I wanted to tell stories and be seen and be heard. Right. And like that drive has always sort of been there. Okay. But at the same time, I, that was sort of tempered for a while with the idea of having a quote unquote real job. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No. Because yeah. like, like, my, my, like my grandfather used to tell me all the time, you know, go be a chemist, like own a drugstore. You're going to make lots of money. Right. And then when I was younger, I also, I had aspirations of wanting to be a veterinarian, okay. like to help animals. But I also, the way the way things shook out was that and a terribly failing high school calculus. Mm. And like, I would always kind of struggle a little bit more with the sciences. So I'd be getting like seventies, eighties instead of like nineties are perfect. Right. And like that, like that always felt like more work. And then what sort of accumulated was that the last year of high school, I ended up uh, completely kind of changing my trajectory where I went, no, 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 I'm going to try and go to theater school. You know, I'm not really feeling the sciences. I was in some plays in high school. I was feeling that a lot more. Feeling, not failing. <laughs> right. Yeah. C- cue, the, cue the crowd going, oh! <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Shifting gears. Yeah. And that's what I, like, I kind of committed to it. Right. And I, I, I say kind of because uh, I am someone that I do still do a lot of self-sabotaging behavior, and I'm aware of that, too. Okay. Calling myself out of my own shit. I, I don't know. So Self-sabotage but- can be interesting. Because it takes a brain to to do any kind of sabotage, period. Oh, I know. And I'm like, and I'm so onto my own shit. But like, I will still do things like watch one more episode of television when I should sit down and write a screenplay. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> yeah. Oh, everyone does it. Like. <laughs> yeah. Okay. Yeah. So we're not special. Uh, but that's another <laughs> that's another way that 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 I, that I feel like I can relate. I have this in, I have this vision in my mind that most people are always on point and, and regimenting themselves and and dictating that they need to get stuff done and they they only allow themselves occasional retreats into having a snack whereas I'm just like well these chips are gone oh yeah <laughs> that thing is gone too I but I watched lots of Stanley Kubrick shit and yeah I'm terrible for that. I think everyone sort of has that perception that everyone else is doing better than they are. Yeah. So you're definitely not alone in that. Cause like I see other friends who are actors, you know, getting booked on a series or like looking really hot in the workout clothes. Right. And I go, look at me. I'm a fat, stupid lump who's done nothing in her life. Like, yeah, isn't that weird? Yeah. Isn't that weird that, <laughs> that I, that we can, that we can not, we're not 
judging. They're creating an image of what they want you to see. And yet at the same time, we will still look at them and see exactly. We yeah. will react. It's like, the- wow, her hair is perfect. And like yeah. <laughs> mine's frizzy because it's winter and it's humid. Like, <laughs> yeah. So yeah. like we're, we're, we're falling into the same trap that we're accusing them of trying to. Yeah. Yeah. But it's also, it's so easy to idolize someone else's success or think it's right. easy. There, there had to have been someone that you were a fan of that, that not only made you love acting. I'm not saying there had to like there. Yeah. This can only have happened one way, Emily. <laughs> I was there. I was you. Uh, yeah. No. Um, but was there someone that you were a fan of uh, because of how they did it? And also maybe it was the same person that, that made you think this could be my job one day. I think they're realizing that it could be something for me, something I keep discovering. But in terms of idolizing actors or characters or whatever, like I definitely watched a lot of Saturday Night Live in my teenage years, you know. Nice. And like I'm talking like Will Ferrell, Molly Shannon, that sort of age. Chris Kattan, Jim Brewer, Norm MacDonald. So Chris Kattan was one of my first like celebrity crushes. Molly Shannon was one of (laughs) them. It's crazy. Still is. Yeah. And she still got it, I'm sure. I was gonna say for me, kind of the other touchstone too was always Gillian Anderson and X Files. Like even now that I'm like You're not alone. <laughs> oh god, no. Also, like, hello, my sexual awakening that I'm not straight. <laughs> and I don't get why. I bang David, them both. Like I, I don't get I don't get the David Duchovny appeal. I think he, he's got that brooding, like those lips and that fluffy hair. Like yeah. early season Mulder hair was so peak and so good. <laughs> but, <laughs> I could talk for hours about that. Everything he does is like, I get it. I get it. You're a sex addict. Oh, absolutely. I, I get it. But it's it's that like damaged brooding that like people want to take care of. I don't know. Yeah. <laughs> and also he's so full of shit and so handsome. Like, okay. So SNL, Jillian Anderson. And for me, like what I want still to achieve is to have that long running dramatic series playing a smart, intelligent character, Alice Scully in X-Files. That is right. one of my peak goals. So, okay, I, I really dig that uh, that I can get all your references, for one. Yeah. I literally actually just watched Night at the Roxbury again last night because it's on oh, Amazon. Yeah. And that was one of the movies I would just put on the background. I'm like, I can still quote every word. And it's so bad now, it's isn't so it? It's <laughs> so stupid, but I love it so much. Like, Yeah. Okay, this is kind of an interesting question. It might go well. Is there anything that you that you really loved at an age of like really being influenced and really or just falling in love with it that still holds up? today in your opinion at least uh, going back to x-files there is a lot there that really does yeah <laughs> scully has this one particular monologue about how you could track down a man that blew up a building blah 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 with like one little shred of dna evidence mm-hmm. but when there are security cameras and witnesses you can't find someone who murdered a woman right so 20 years later 30 years later that's still so culturally relevant like <laughs> yeah and weirdly enough, um, just certain aspects of it, but like the TV show Ally McBeal. Okay. Like they, you know, they had gender neutral washrooms, for yeah. example, and that was something that's a big deal now. Yeah. Yeah. Thanks for being on the show again. Thanks yeah. for putting up with the worst interview I've ever done, but wonderful conversation at the same time. Uh, and I hope, uh, I hope you listening will visit Emily on the internet. So you can find me at Emily Schooley on Twitter. Instagram, Facebook, and Patreon. Patreon is actually where I post most of my recent news as well as sneak peeks of projects. And if you like 
my interview, if you like the work that I'm doing, the awesome feminist out there content, you can actually help financially support that every month. Thank you so much for, for driving this way on a pretty shady weekend of weather. Oh, I grew up in Niagara. This is nothing. Okay. I, I, I really appreciate your time. You've been, you've been a wonderful guest and a wonderful, wonderful company as I, as I try to get in the groove again. All I right. appreciate it. Well, thanks for having me and indulging my cat stories and weird voices. And Feel free to like and subscribe and uh, rate us and review us on iTunes. Of course, you know our website is coffeehousecrowd.ca. And uh, it's, it's super cool shit, yo. Thanks for listening to another episode of The Todd Donald Show. Starring, produced, and edited by Todd Donald. The piano music in the rap is by J.P. Sunga, who you can find at jpsunga.com. The theme music is Mackie Alkino by William Chernoff. Find him at chernoff.band. And I'm Milo Axelrod, Todd's favorite bar none human voice. And I'm not bragging, he wrote this. If you'd like to hear more of my voice, check out my podcast, Describing a Rock in which I describe some rocks. You can find it wherever you listen to podcasts. Please support The Todd Donald Show by sharing it with anyone who might enjoy it. Follow and interact with at Todd Donald Show on Twitter and Instagram. And if you feel like going the extra mile on iTunes, please subscribe, rate, and review, preferably in its favor. Have a great day, friends. (laughs) 